0: Love Talk Radio
1: This is our common ground Alternative Activist Empowerment Talk Radio Speaking truth to our And ourselves Who are you? You don't know? Don't tell me Negro That's not this What were you before the white man Means you a Negro And where were you?
2: And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? <laughs> I am a revolutionary. This is about what we didn't do. Amen. Then it speaks to us and the possibility for us as a future person. Because ultimately, our people's future resides on what we do outside of the White House.
1: African descent fairly, America failed.
3: And now to our Common Ground with Janice Graham.
6: ...and hunger are walking freely all over the universe. And that nature is seeking a response. The moon and the sun once asked the earth, Where are the women worms? The earth responded, They have been scattered all over the world, but they can always be identified by the beauty in their eyes, which reflects the dignity and greatness of the rainbow. Nevertheless, continued the earth, they suffer greatly, often much more than what is commonly endured, by a human being. Why? Then the moon and the sun responded energetically. We have to look for them. We have to bring them together. Because it is only women warriors who know how to survive in the midst of so much suffering, struggling, struggling, struggling.
7: alongside the New Jersey State Police, the New Jersey Attorney General's Office, and the United States Marshal for the (coughs) District of New Jersey to announce the addition of Joanne Chesimard to the FBI's Most Wanted Terrorist List. While living openly and freely in Cuba, she continues to maintain and promote her terrorist ideology. She provides anti-U.S. government speeches, espousing the Black Liberation Army message of revolution and terrorism. No person, no matter what his or her political or moral convictions are, is above the law. Joanne Chesimar is a domestic terrorist who murdered a law enforcement officer execution style.
5: This is an Our Common Ground special broadcast, the Asada teach understanding the political climate the repression, the hunt, the escape, and the exile, and the heart of a woman who stood in the midst of fear, violence, to become our shining black liberation strugglers. This is Asada Shakur. I'm Janice Graham, and I thank you for being with us and look forward to our discussion tonight, understanding all of the implements of repression experienced by Asada Shakur and lessons for us all. Stay tuned and please join me in this discussion. We thank you for being with us here at Our Common Ground. For those of you who are new to us, thank you for joining us tonight in this very special edition of Our Common Ground. It is the Asata Teachin. And what we hope to achieve tonight is that all of you in our listening audience will know more about her, understand what she was in her struggle in this country, to examine and look at her exile, and in her own words and the analysis of others to understand why. In 2013, the United States government, FBI, after 30 years of political exile in Cuba, has decided that she is on the FBI Most Wanted list with a $1 million bounty increased to $2 million. We want you to know her, to understand her, to be able to trace the steps of a Sahada Shakur in her journey as a black liberation warrior. We not only want you to know the facts, and learn about her. We want you to see what it's like and to experience what it's like to think through our own lives. One of the things that occurs to me is that when we begin to understand a woman like Asata Shakur, we begin to understand the possibilities of empowerment in our own lives. For those of you who are listening and you'd like to join our chat room, there are people who discuss our broadcasts live in our chat room, and you can come to blogtalkradio.com/backslash OCG on your computer or smartphone. Our number is 347-838-9852. I'm especially interested tonight in hearing the views. Of those of us who were witnesses in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, as Asata Shakur developed uh, at the time that she was under persecution by the New Jersey government and courts and police, at the time of this notorious, notorious murder, as they call it, they do call it murder the killing of the New Jersey uh, state trooper and understanding that issue. For those of you who were witnesses, we especially want to talk to you tonight. This is our common ground, and it is talk that matters. We're going to share with you some audio footage uh, of um, some of the major issues in this case, but before we do... Uh, let me just say for those of you who may not know, on May 2nd in 1973, African Liberation Army member, leader, and Black Panther activist Asata Alugabala Shakur, Joanne Deborah Chesimard, is her slave name was pulled over by the New Jersey State Police, shot twice, and then charged with murder of a police officer. Asata spent six and a half years in prison under brutal circumstances before escaping out of the maximum security wing of the Clinton Correctional Facility for Women in New Jersey in 1979. She spent more than a year as a fugitive in the United States and then moved to Cuba, applied for political exile, and it was accepted by the Cuban president, Fidel Castro. This is what she says in her own words. She says, my name is Asata, she who struggles. Alug Bala. For the People, which is her middle name, Shakur, the Thankful One. And I am a 20th century escaped slave. Because of government persecution, I was left with no other choice than to flee from the political repression, racism, and violence that dominate the U.S. government's policy towards people of color I am an ex-political prisoner and I have been living in exile in Cuba since 1984 I have been a political activist most of my life and although the US government has done everything in its power to criminalize me I am not a criminal nor have I ever been one In the 1960s, I participated in various struggles, the Black Liberation Movement, the Student Rights Movement, and the movement to end the war in Vietnam. I joined the Black Panther Party. By 1969, the Black Panther Party had become the number one organization targeted by the FBI's COINTELPRO program because the Black Panther Party demanded the total liberation of black people, J. Edgar Hoover, the director of the FBI at the time, called it the greatest threat to the internal security of the country and vowed to destroy it and its leaders and activists. That is in her own words. And tonight what we will do, is listen to what Asada and others have said about her journey.
0: What they did was to try to neutralize all of our leaders uh, to prevent young people from coming together and uniting. And, and so, what they did is try to pit organization against organization. They tried to pit leaders in the the same organizations against each other. In New York, uh, where I was, um, what they did was they arrested in, I think it was 1968, 1967, 1968, I'm not very clear on the date, I don't remember at this moment. They arrested, on charges of conspiracy, 21 of our most effective activists, of our, our most effective leaders. as a movement have to concentrate a lot of our energy on trying to liberate our imprisoned comrades Um, and uh, even though um, they were given bail the bail was $100,000 a piece and only a few of them we were able to bail out I think that We cannot look at the Black Panther Party in the past. We cannot look at the Black Liberation Movement as something in the past. African people are still not free, and there are still many, many political prisoners in the United States. It is time for us to demand total, immediate amnesty for all political prisoners and prisoners of war. If we do not... Uh, take ourselves seriously, if we do not take our movement seriously, then we will have to to hang our heads in front of our
8: ancestors. (laughs)
0: I was kept uh, for um, in a room isolated um, for something like four or five days uh, I was beaten tortured um, it was uh, a hellish experience uh, no one was permitted to see me uh, my aunt who is Also, my lawyer, Evelyn Williams, had to get a court order for her and my mother and my sister to come and see me. I was in prison altogether six and a half years. I spent two and more than two and a half years in solitary confinement. Uh, Much of that was in men's prisons. In other words, I was the only woman. Uh, Even though they say that there are no political prisoners in the United States, um, I I was kept in solitary confinement, kept in men's prisons because of my political beliefs. Well, you figure that one out. When it was prison. Prison was hell. It was a new kind of plantation. I feel like a, I feel like a maroon woman. I feel like an escaped slave because what I, I saw in, in, in the United States in those prisons was slavery. It was black people with chains in cells. It was just poor people, you know. I mean, just stepped on and smashed. I'll never forget what I saw. I'll never forget what I've lived through. I'll never forget what my people have lived through. Yeah, to, I don't know, to feel tender toward each other. Uh, we started to feel an attraction, to feel like human beings again, I guess is the word for it. Um, and the subject of sex came up, and we thought about it, and we talked about it, and um it was really heavy. It was a heavy, heavy thing because, you know, I didn't know how to feel. Uh, because so much that was around us was like slavery, you know what I mean? It was like very clear. They were out to wipe us out. And it was real. It wasn't any fantasy. wasn't any joke. They were out to take our heads. And, you know, I, I felt like a slave. I'm sure he must have felt just like... A slave, and we said, "Well, how could we even think about bringing a child into this world?" But then, what other world is there to bring a child in? I mean, the world is a terrible place, and you know, I thought about my my mother, my grandmother, my great 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 grandmothers, and what they must have thought about as slaves um, bringing life into this world. And, you know, we just decided that we were going to live. You know, we were going to live, we were going to struggle. Uh, And we're not going to kill our own hopes. We're not going to kill our own life. We're not going to kill our right to live. And so we just decided to be human beings, to be people. In spite of all the people that were trying to squash us down and all the forces that were trying to dehumanize us, we decided to be human.
8: We <speaking in> are <Spanish> <speaking in Spanish>
0: my grandmother and i couldn't call her you know say i'm getting ready to escape and so she said um i want to tell you something are you listening to me yes grandmother i don't want you to get used to that place don't get accustomed to that place do you hear me yes grandmother are you sure you hear me yes grandmother i do not want you getting used to that place yes grandmother And so I, when I hung up the phone, it was like I started. It was like, you know, my grandmother knew. It was like everything was ready to go, and everything went, and everything went fine. that the only way that we're going to realize um, freedom, justice, equality, decent living for people is if there's a complete change. A complete change. Everything has, has got to be turned around and that, that's the revolution. A complete change. Mm-hmm.
4: From
8: the river to heaven,
0: My family. I'm sure in other areas I don't know, you know. Uh, after slavery, people mm-hmm. went around looking for their family, looking for the marks that they put on their children. So I'm sure there's a lot about my family's separation mm-hmm. and the pain. That I don't know whether they in the coast of Africa or the coast of uh, some island in. Caribbean or in the United States, Uh, separation is a real part of being African Uh, in the Americas, being slaves or ex-slaves. In my own case, uh, prison has meant separation, exile has meant separation, and, well, I'm going to be real right now. I can't be any other way. Uh, Today, uh, my mother died. And I didn't know if I could do this, but since I didn't have anything else to do, and I figured this was the best homage I could pay to my mother is to try to carry on her tradition, what she passed down to me, what my grandmother passed down to her, and what their fourth mothers passed down to them. I hope that I can live up to my mother's example and I hope I can live up to my ancestors' expectation of me because I really believe that I have a duty to all those have, who have come before me to all those who lie at the bottom of the ocean, to all those who lost their lives, whether it's in the cave fields or the cotton fields or, you know, hanging off some tree, to continue this struggle and to continue to love and to continue to believe and to continue to try to be human. Be giving. You
5: and you heard Asada in her own words. If you'd like to hear the entire documentary, I on the rainbow. Uh, You can do so. It is located in a number of places at YouTube. You're listening to our Common Ground special broadcast, the Asada Teachin. We're talking about the life, the journey, and the lessons of Asada Shakur. On May 2, 2013, many of us witnessed in horror as the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the New Jersey State Police declared Asada Shakur the 46th person and the first woman to be added to the agency's list of most wanted terrorists. My first response to it during the live press conference a terrorist. A terrorist is one who deploys terror and intimidation in the pursuit of political aims, causing extreme fear. <laughs> Excuse me. Asada Shakur was convicted of first-degree murder of police officer Warner Forester after a shootout on the New Jersey Turnpike in 1973, a crime many, myself included, have vehemently argued was impossible. And a crime for which Shakur has maintained her innocence. To be sure, it shouldn't be difficult to imagine the possibility of corruption within the U.S. justice system as a result of her conviction. Shakur was sentenced to life in prison. However, she escaped On November 2nd, 1979, and was a fugitive for more than for a year or so, and currently is in exile and resides in Cuba under political exile officialdom. Shakur has long been a marked woman. And she now stands a, as a Miss Ebony first for the FBI. But what is her name? It certainly isn't terrorist. However, today she is most wanted. What about Asata's causes such fear and trembling? And why does America seem to need her? at this moment and time this is our common ground and we're going to be talking about that about the uh for those of you who are not clear about the prison break her escape from prison from federal prison on november 2nd in 1979 three members of the black liberation army broke Asada Shakur out of the Clinton Correctional Facility for Women, which is located in Union Township, New Jersey. Asada was involved in a in a shoot in this shootout in on the New Jersey Turnpike during which New Jersey State Trooper, as I said, uh Werner Forster and Black Liberation Army member Zaid Malik Shakur were killed. Shakur and Trooper James Hopper were wounded. Asada Shakur and Trooper James Hopper were wounded in that gunfight. Between 1973 and 1977, Asada was indicted in six other alleged criminal incidents and charged with murder attempted murder, armed robbery, bank robbery, and kidnapping. The ensuing criminal litigation in those unrelated cases resulted in three acquittals and three dismissals. Follow the timeline, folks. In 1977, however, she was convicted of the first-degree murder of Forster and of seven other felonies related to the New Jersey Turnpike shootout resulting in a life sentence on that day on November second nineteen seventy nine The escape began when three Black Liberation Army members posing as prison visitors, drew forty five caliber pistols and took two correction officers hostage. They seized a prison van and used it to flee the correctional facility with Asada. Once outside the federal prison, they switched vehicles and made their getaway. The two hostages were released unharmed. And after that escape, she eventually fled to Cuba, where she was granted asylum. This is what her attorney, Lennox Hines, has to say about this case.
9: What happened in the case of Asada Shakur? Uh, you have heard in our own words, this woman was a political activist. She was targeted by whom? J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI in a program that was called COINTELPRO. That program was unveiled by whom? Frank Church, Senator Frank Church in the 1970s. He chaired the Senate Intelligence Committee. That committee determined that the FBI was using both legal but mostly illegal methods to do what? In the FBI's own words, they wanted to discredit, to stop the rise of a black messiah. That was the fear of the FBI. So that there would not be a Mao Mao, in their words, uprising in the United States and they were, of course, referring to the liberation movement that occurred in Kenya, Africa. Now, the FBI carried out a campaign targeting not only the Black Panther Party. They targeted SCLC. They targeted Martin Luther King. They targeted Harry Belafonte. They targeted Eartha Kitt. They targeted anyone who supported... The struggle for civil rights that they considered to be dangerous. It is in that context we need to look at what happened on the New Jersey Turnpike in 1973. The Joanne, jo, what they call Joanne Chesimard, what we know as a satirist, she was uh, targeted by the FBI, stopped. And the allegation that she was a cold-blooded killer is not supported by any of the forensic evidence. If we look at the trial, we'll find that she was victimized. She was shot. She was shot in the back. The bullet exited and broke the cavicle in her shoulder. She could not raise a gun. She could not raise her hand to shoot and she was shot while her hands were in the air. Now that is the forensic evidence. There is not one scintilla of evidence placing a gun in her hand. No arsenic residue was found on her clothing or on her hands. So the allegation by the state police that she took an officer's gun and shot him, executed him in in cold blood is not only false, but it is designed to inflame.
5: And we wonder and have to raise the question about the legitimacy of her sentencing. There are many who who are out there who would declare that for reasons of accepting anything the government has to say, is authentic. How can someone whose clavicle has been pierced by a bullet, who is right-handed, use a gun? So we we get to a point where we have to ask the question, And the question certainly should be on your mind as you hear of her her story. Why now? Why ever? According to state police reports, there was no gunpowder residue on her hands at the time of the arrest. Alice Walker wrote, The first time I met Asada Shakur, We talked for a long time. We were in Havana, where I had gone with the delegation to offer humanitarian aid during Cuba's special period of hunger and despair, and I wanted to hear her side of the story from her. She described the incident with the New Jersey Highway Patrol and assured me she was shot up so badly that even she wanted to, she would not have been able to fire a gun. Though shot in the back with her arms raised, she managed to live through two years of solitary confinement in a men's prison chained to a bed. And we have to ask the question in our contemporary discourse about this what was the climate of the time? I was a young adult when Asada Shakur uh, was involved in the shootout in New Jersey, and there was no doubt in my mind. At the time, there was no Internet, no computers, no, um, well, it really hasn't changed, I think, no real authentic reporting uh, of facts in the news. She was reported to have been a cop killer, a Black Panther cop Killer, and all of America so, saw nothing wrong with the manhunt against this woman. I happen to be one of the people who organized to protest the injustice, not only of the media message, but the way in which the FBI and the New Jersey State uh, Police were conducting house-to-house searches, conducting car searches on the New Jersey turnpike for, I think, for about four or five hours on the day that she escaped. The New Jersey turnpike was shut down. No cars were allowed. Um, They were gunning for her. One of the the issues uh, about... This case was that you have to understand that J. Edgar Hoover was in charge of the FBI at the time. And all black protest was a target, no matter what it was about, whether it was Malcolm X um, uh, during his tenure. Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, it could have been Jesus. And if Jesus had turned out to be black and was standing up against injustice, J. Edgar Hoover targeted. So across the country, in Los Angeles, Chicago, uh, New York, well, I won't say New York, Harlem, Brooklyn, and the Bronx, (laughs) um, we organized by telephone, and long-distance calls were very expensive at the time that black people should start putting up signs that said, "Assada welcomed here. That is where that, I mean, most of you would not know the historical importance of the poster uh, as, you, as you hear others talk about this case, where that came from, Asada welcomed here. Once she was in exile, and Fidel Fidel Castro had extended political exile to her, then it became hands-off Asada because the United States government had no extradition and still has no extradition agreement with the nation of Cuba. So those become very, very, very... um, Important. We're going to talk about why she was in a men's prison. We're going to hear from Angela Davis and and Lennox um, Hines and more from Lennox Hines, her attorney. We're also going to hear from Mumia Abu Jamal because um, Asada was a true black liberation warrior. She continued to support Mumia even in exile. Uh, and he raised some very interesting questions about selling out Asada and why Asada Shakur was so important. But before he did that, he she had something to say about him. Listen.
0: I'm Asada Shakur. The first time I heard a tape of one of Mamiya's radio broadcasts, It was the first time I fully understood why the United States government was so intent on putting him to death. I make a special appeal to you, sisters and brothers, to fight tooth and nail to save Mamiya's life and to free him from the grips of his oppressors. As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Nat Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Jijaga, Sundiata Akoli, Mutulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu Jamal. I urge you not to forget and not to betray our living heroes, If we ignore their struggle, we are ignoring our own. If we betray our living history, then we are betraying ourselves. We could not save Malcolm X, but we can save Mamiya. We can save him, and we must save him. Because we love our brother, and we need our brother to help us fight for freedom. Free Mamiya Abu-Jamal. We all political prisoners let us carry on our tradition to freedom.
5: And we're gonna take a break at our common ground. This is the Our Common Ground Special Broadcast Asada Teach in. Our number is three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two and we'll be taking your calls on Asada on the issue, not what I Let's not, let's talk about the facts and what it means to all of black America. Not just to you, but to all of black America tonight. I'm Janice Graham, and this is Our Common Ground.
10: Truth words
5: have truth words now that cut their own throat because...
10: How can you ever bargain for a fair wage if you are competing in a labor market with slaves, with people who don't get paid at all? So it was totally against their interest to support the slaveocracy, but because of of the illusion of racial superiority, they did. And it's the same thing with the Republicans. Today, no working class white person in their right mind should be supporting Republicans. How could you support a man like Mitt Romney? who and told you he was going to fire you if he get in, in, in office, who made a, a career of shipping American
4: jobs over. He
11: a politician, not a prophet. And that is true. I've made that argument myself. But it is only true to an extent. Because he did not draw on political sentiment when he got elected. He drew on something deeper. He drew on a
1: spiritual reality. And when he did, then he took on a certain spiritual responsibility. When you hear people like Mitch McConnell saying that if they do this, this will poison the well forever. Well, I'll take your threat and I'll raise you to shove it in your behind. Serious talk for serious signs. Truth Warriors at TruthWorks Network. Truth Warriors at TruthWorks Network. Commentaries on the Times. Radio with Claybelle Benjamin and Dr. Basil Wilson. Spirit Matters Talk Radio. Solo Fire with Dr. Matthew B. Johnson, The Alpha Show. With Alpha, your host, straight out of Chicago. Just a damn Talk Radio. Advanced urban progressive talk radio at TruthWorks Network. Serious Talk Radio if you dare. Words at TruthWorks Network.
6: My mother shaped me as an actor, as a musician, as a human being. So when she was diagnosed with colon cancer, it was like our entire family got cancer. And she died when she was only 56, so this is personal. And hopefully my heartbreak is your wake-up call. You can prevent colorectal cancer if you're 50 or older. Get screened. Screening saves lives. India Declare. Real, raw, and
10: right now.
2: And we wear our, our warrior goddess scars proudly, baby. We offer our walk of woman, elevating our consciousness as women so that we can recognize a punishing environment he can be cute have a six-pack and tell you he loves you all day long if the environment is punishing if the energy is punishing all I'm saying is you need to check that early in your game and not wait listen to that listen to you have the faith how can we elevate our consciousness so that we become aware of environments that are not in our best interest immediately. You know, like your creep radar. How can you work your creep radar muscle and learn to listen to that muscle? That's what I'm committed
5: to here. It's the I Declare Show, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. on Blog Talk Radio, Real Raw. And right now, with India Declare, make sure you like her on Facebook and follow her on Twitter at I Declare. You want I Declare
1: to be your talk destination each weekday morning. Hilarious, open, informative, independent talk radio.
2: I'm Janice Graham,
5: and I declare it.
12: India Declare. Real, raw, and right now.
10: On May 2nd, the U.S. government put a $1 million bounty on the head of political exile, Asada Shakur. What does that mean for us as a people, Um, and what is her importance to our cause? And I know that y'all also was represented at a press conference in New York City with Charles Barron and most deaf, you know, and, and voicing you all support. You know, why? Why is Dead Press doing that? And who is Asada Shakur? And what is her importance to our struggle? The U.S. government has once again openly declared war against the poor and oppressed people of the world. Once again, this declaration has come in the form of this... million bounty which rests upon the head of not only Asada Shakur, but our movement. Because the most important thing about the bounty that they placed against Asada Shakur, who they call Joanne Chesimar, is that she represents the struggle inside our community that has not died. And that they know that very quickly the spark can re-inflame what is going on all around our community. So it's sending a message to um, the future revolutionaries, don't, you know don't become what we know will eventually happen. We retaliate from that kind of aggression against our people by saying Assata Shakur is welcome here. And that idea that Assata Shakur is welcome here should be adopted by every hood, every blood, every crypt, every Latin king. It should be adopted by every uh, old folk home, Every um, school, um, Boy Scout club, um, Asada Shakur is welcome here, is the identity that the government is not welcome in our lives and will not be tolerated, violating our basic rights of humanity. Um, so I think those are the forces at play, uh, and Asada Shakur is being used as primarily as that case. We, we say hands off Asada Shakur, and we will keep her safe by, by any and all means necessary. And we were represented at the press conference in New York City. You know, uh, like I said, which of many places has is gaining a momentum, just like just like all across the, our country in the African community, Atlanta and down here in LA. Uh, we ready, to, ready, willing, and able. So just within a quick time of organization, people like the Malcolm X grassroots movement, which includes the. Um, the Freehood Committee and organizations like the Grassroots Artists Movement, Charles Barron in uh, the City Council in uh, the government, and cultural workers like most deaf and ourselves were gathered to send a resolution that the bounty should be taken off of Asada of Shakur's head. Mind. Cover your eyes as I describe a scene so violent Seemed like a bad dream She laid in a blood puddle Blood bubbled in her chest Cold air brushed
6: against open flesh No room to rest Pain consumed these breaths Shot twice with her hands up Police crushed them but shot before she answered One panther
10: lost his life The other ran for his Scandalous the police were As they kicked and beat her
5: Comprehension she was beyond
10: Trying to hold
5: on and thank you for being with us here tonight at Our Common Ground. It's a special edition, the Asata T in We're gonna take a moment and pause right now for uh from providing you information uh on the other side of taking calls. We're gonna to listen to take a listen to uh Angela Davis and Lennox Hines talking about ASATA on the FBI terrorist list. Also we're going to uh listen and share with you an interview by um, Dream Hampton, who is a Black Studies professor talking about the issue of Asata Shakur being placed on the FBI's terrorist list. We're going to go to our phones, 9454. You're on the air. Thank you for your call. And for those of you who would like to join in the discussion, the number is 347-838-9852. Thank you, 9454.
7: Oh. You're on the air. Ketal, sister. How are you doing? Janice, I'm glad. This is Ronde calling from Hawaii. I'm glad you were able to do this because I asked other folks who we all know to bring this up. Now, um, I got out of the Army in 1975, and um, when Mark Axis got killed in Louisiana, I, I didn't realize that he was down with the Panthers, was Asada Shakur. You know, um, when this went down, I was living in Jersey at the time in West New York, and it amazes me that now under this presidency, whom the Republicans were responsible for getting him back into office, President Barack Obama would put out this bounty on his sister and it seems very strange that since Beyonce and J.C. went over to Cuba, you know, all of a sudden this seems the surface, and it's disturbing, very disturbing.
5: Let me ask abominable. you a question, Oronda. Let me stop you right there because I, I found that an interesting note that this happened two weeks after uh, the Carters had the Carters, who are big, Uh, supporters of the Obama administration and uh, personal friends to President Obama that this happened uh, two weeks after uh, their trip uh, to Mm -hmm. Cuba and the fact that the State Department had nothing to say about the way in which they ventured into Cuba by way of Canada, which has been something that the government has been very, very sensitive about. I know that when I visited uh, Cuba, um, it certainly uh, was a trip that you didn't go around talking about, and you certainly didn't go around uh, talking about how you got there. Uh, What made you interested or find a niche of thinking in um, in the in Beyonce and Jay Z's uh, trip uh, correlating somehow with this particular with the with the uh, with the renewed concentration on Asada.
7: Well, it was because of the hypocrite wannabe white Cubans in Miami, and I lived in Florida twenty years. That mm-hmm. struck the interest originally. I said, what are these people talking about? Because when I lived in Jersey, I know how many Cubans lived in Jersey, West New York, Union City, Weehawken, and, and, you know, these places. And the, that – I said, wait a minute, something's not right here. And, sister, I, I since I'm in aviation, we've flown in the – you know, many times. And – um what also is not being brought out in this is how Russians are coming. This is not going away from this topic. Going through Alaska, getting into this country, getting licenses and everything else, and coming into the the uh, mainland, the lower 40s or whatever they call it, 49. So when, when this thing came up, I said, wait a minute. You know, this isn't right. And I remembered. This thing they used to call the New Jersey Turnpike, the the Black Dragon or the Dragon Corridor, just like it was up in Lakeland, Florida, in Polk County, how they would just pull black folks over, and just arrest them and, and steal yeah, money from Jersey them. Yeah, New
5: Jersey Turnpike has always been a yeah. um, a topic of discussion on racial profiling.
7: It was called the Black Dragon. I'm almost well, let, sure let's that was. Let's go
5: back. Uh, All right, uh, go Robbie, ahead. come on. Right. Let's go back to the connection. What you suspect might be the connection between uh, the Beyonces and um, and the FBI's action two weeks later.
7: Well, sister, I'm only speculating, but knowing the history of this country and J. Edgar Hoover, well, he ain't even alive now. But with this whole scenario and these hypocrite wannabe Caucasian Cubans in Miami bring this up all of a sudden, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going for it. And yeah. I've asked, you know, other entities to um, get into this, uh, amplify this as you're doing now, uh-huh.
5: you know, and well, okay. um, I'm just
7: speculating. So uh, that's all I can tell you.
5: Yeah, we're, But we're I remember all speculating. the situation. So what is- what what is very interesting is that it is not unlikely that the State Department or the Department of Justice or the administration might have used uh the Cotters as some kind of um barometer hmm. to to measure uh the sentiment of Mexican people regarding the Obama administration and some some um approach it might take toward uh lifting the embargo um i, I think that that certainly has something to do not necessarily with Assad, but that the 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 administration no. is interested in getting a feel about how cuban people and the Cuban um, ministries are feeling about the United States. On the other hand, I do think that once that happened and that there may be some discussion about lifting the embargo, that the Republicans are starting to push the administration around all political exiles in uh Cuba because Cuba has been very very friendly to political uh protesters and 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 I'm wondering if there's something in the mix um that here's my thought and this is pure mm-hmm. speculation on my part I'm wondering if this administration is trying to negotiate a deal with Cuba, but is using as leverage political exiles and saying that you have to dilute yourself of the notion that you are harboring uh, terrorists. And so in order to I mean, you can't have friendly foreign affair uh, relations with countries and we don't in this country have friendly foreign um uh uh relationships, international agreements in with countries that um, are are friendly to political exile.
3: Well let
7: me inject this sis. Do you know everybody we fought in the world is here? And I don't know if you remember when Adam Clayton Powell brought Castro to uh, the United Nations. I was still in Harlem in 59. Yeah, I remember when, when Castro hotel.
5: stayed at the hotel, Teresa Hotel,
7: and, yeah. And, and, and uh, what's his name, Khrushchev? Yeah. He stayed Maybe downtown, yeah, uh-huh. at the same time. And uh, according to Adam Clayton's Powell accounts, so this we know the history of this country, and mm-hmm. J. Edgar Hoover's way mm-hmm. before pro-cointel, and McCarthyism um, well, when the <laughs> communistic All right, this cracked. is what
5: I'm trying to get to. This is what right, I'm trying ahead, to go get to. That this country, in order to be... That this administration, in order to be the heavyweight in any negotiation around lifting the embargo has to have the uh, nod of Republican white Cubans in this country. And one of the ways that they are going to deal with Cuba is to somehow indicate to them that they are harboring an American terrorist. And once, they enter into an extradition agreement with a number of countries then it makes it easier to sell the idea of lifting the embargo in this country if i'm making making any sense
7: Yes, but you are, man, and Angela Davis where brings I'm, that out.
5: I'm coming from. And, and,
7: and the attorney brings it out because of France and I believe it was England and Greece at the time, Right. you know, yeah. that they didn't have them same policies. And, you know, it's kind of amazing, man, because when you look at Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball since, uh, you know, everybody was hopping to Cuba in the 20s, Hemingway and all these cats, you know, that, that was like the Miami. That was the Vegas at the time. Yeah. So now all that was, of a sudden now, it really was.
5: It was. it was you uh, know. when I was a child, my, my father is a um an immigrant from Cuba. hmm And when I was a child we got we went we drove to Miami and got on the ship and went to Cuba like it was going to Right Las Vegas. Going down
7: the I ninety five, yeah. Right. But you know, my question uh-huh. is what is Obama and Eric Holder doing in all of this now that the man then got a second term. And, and Eric Dyson, Michael Eric Dyson, really had a reevaluation of President Obama, but he's still, you know, uh, respecting the brother and, 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 and loving him. But he, he pointed out something serious, you know, when well, he made I his think
5: speech. You're, I, think you're talk, I think you're talking about a clip that uh, Alpha ran last week,
7: yes,
11: which
5: yes. is a clip that's uh, two years old. More than
7: two
11: years the clip old, must
5: be five years really? old at this point. Yeah,
7: I saw hey, I got like thank you. Thank you.
5: <laughs> but thank Mahalo. you for your call. Mahalo. Do you want me to put you on right. hold on mute? No, 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 no.
7: I'm on the internet, I'm six hours behind okay. you. So, um, thank you.
5: Okay, thank you for your call. That was a calling from Hawaii. Thank you all for being with us here tonight. At Our Common Ground, our number is 347-838-9852. One of the most interesting parts of all of this. And I really, um, I was a very, very enthusiastic and passionate protester. And I will tell you that I cried when Fidel Castro Allowed Asada Shakur to be exiled as a political fugitive in Cuba, so to look at this out of through those lenses i was i mean we were so we were on vigil until she came out, my comrades and I until she came out of being a fugitive in this country and we found out that she had gone to Cuba and I'm sorry, to Canada and um at the time she was using the Underground Railroad, keep in mind, for people who was also who were also running from serving in the military. So there was already an established underground railroad to to Canada. So but Mumia had some things to say that I want you to hear. Um and part of it is that the hands off Asada campaign didn't die, but because she was comfortably and safely In Cuba, it was quiet. But listen to what Mumia Abu-Jamal had to say. This is a a transcript of something that he wrote.
3: Selling Out Asada by Mumia Abu-Jamal Each generation must, out of relative obscurity, discover its mission, fulfill it, or betray it. Franz Fanon, The Wretched of the Earth, 1966. On September 14, 1998, the House of Representatives passed a resolution, HCR 254, calling on the Cuban government to return former black political prisoner, Asada Shakur. What makes this resolution remarkable, other than its obvious political hypocrisy is the action or lack of action taken by black politicians in the House. There is something sickening about black congresspersons swarming to the defense of President Clinton, who has built his political career on the skillful manipulation and timely betrayal of black interest to appeal to his party's and the majority party's right wing, so called centrist, while selling out one of Black America's most celebrated and respected fighters for black liberation. Asada Shakur, as a member of the Black Panther Party, and later as a member of the Black Liberation Army, fought for the freedom of black people in the streets, in the prisons, and later in the free, liberated territory of America, in Cuba, as a proud and beautiful soldier for her people. That any black politicians could dare condemn her for fighting for her freedom against the most racist, conspiratorial, and deadly attacks in black contemporary history is an obscenity. In the House Bill, which refers to her by her slave name, Joanne Chesimard. The resolution writers claim she killed a New Jersey state trooper on May 2, 1973, along with two friends. The resolution does not begin to tell the truth, that Asada and her two companions were ambushed by state troopers who were bent on killing several known black panthers, and that they indeed succeeded in killing one, and almost mortally wounding her. Deputy Minister of Information, Zayed Malik Shakur, was murdered by the state on that day, and Asada, his protege, was almost murdered, beaten, thrown into a morgue alongside of her brother Zayed, and later charged with killing him. She was railroaded in a trial that is known by legal scholars as a miscarriage, and thrown into a hellhole where she was the only woman in the entire prison. The only justice she has ever received was her liberation from a state dungeon in 1979. If one examines the signers of the resolution, it is striking to find the names of such black politicians as John Conyers, Sheila Jackson Lee, Jesse Jackson Jr., Chaka Fatah, Cynthia McKinney, Carrie Meek, and the like. Mercifully, Alcee Hastings, John Lewis, and Bobby Rush abstained from voting. Have any of these members of the Congressional Black Caucus read Asada? Have any of the Congressional Black Caucus's lawyer members ever read Evelyn Williams' inadmissible evidence? If they had, there is no way they could have signed on to such a damnable congressional resolution. Asada has rightly condemned this dastardly act as a contemporary latter-day fugitive slave law. In 1850, Congress passed the Fugitive Slave Act, which meant, in the words of early black nationalist Martin R. Delaney, By the provisions of this bill, the colored people of the United States are positively degraded beneath the level of the whites are made liable at any time, in any place, and under all circumstances, to be arrested, and upon the claim of any white person, without the privilege even of making a defense, sent into endless bondage. Let no visionary nonsense about habeas corpus or a fair trial, deceive us. Delaney was condemning an act that threatened the freedom of all blacks anywhere in the United States. Nearly 150 years later and the U.S. empire seeks to expand its reach to the entire globe. The Congressional Black Caucus recently made much about their role of fairness cops in the Congressional process leading up to impeachment for Clinton. As a wealthy, Yale-trained, former law professor with millions at his disposal, not to mention the power of the presidency, he hardly seems to need their help. Instead, a black, courageous woman who must face the monstrous might of the Empire has not a single defender in Congress. Like their hero, Clinton, they seem to have mastered the politics of betrayal. Written by Mumia Abu-Jamal.
5: Now that's some heavy stuff. You know, uh, there are many who might say um, that they don't get involved in... Issues that have to do with black people who have done something wrong. There are very few who really have examined what happened to Asada Shakur and not understand that the full weight, as Mumia says, of the evil empire fell on this woman's head. Now, here is a contemporary news review of Assad going on the terrorist list.
13: Welcome to the Real News Network. I'm Paul J. in Baltimore, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ratner Report with Michael Ratner, who now joins us from New York City. Michael is President Emeritus of the Center for Constitutional Rights. He's chair of the European Center for Constitutional and Human Rights in Berlin, and he's a member of the Real News Network board. Thanks very much for joining us again, Michael.
12: Good to be with you, Paul. So, what's on your mind? What's on my mind is something that happened on May 2nd uh, when the United States government the FBI put on its 10 most wanted list, the first woman that's been put on that list, the 10 most wanted terrorist list, her name is Asada Shakur. This is a list of 10 people who the U.S. wants as terrorists. Asada Shakur, who many of your people may not have heard of, uh, is a woman living in Cuba who has been living in Cuba since 1979. Uh, she initially was living in the United States. Uh, she was convicted of being part of a Killing that took place on the New Jersey turn, Turnpike of a of a policeman. Uh, she was put into jail for life, as I recall. Eventually, there was a jail escape, and she moved to Cuba, uh, where she got political asylum. Now, the reason I'm focusing on this case, a couple of reasons. One, it's very old. I mean, this conviction took place, or the uh, murder took place, 40 years ago. She's been in Cuba since '79, and all of a sudden on roughly the 40th anniversary, the FBI places her on a terrorist list and puts up billboards over New Jersey saying wanted terrorist uh, Asada Shakur. Now the first thing that strikes me incredibly, apart from the timing and why, is the use of the word terrorist to describe Asada Shakur. And it's a dangerous tendency. And when I say it's a dangerous tendency, the way the U.S. defines it by statute, now, the way it's misused, of course, often, but it's defined as someone who uses violence or eff- or threatens violence against civilians or a civilian population for carrying out a political goals. It's a classic sort of definition, U.N., et cetera, with all kinds of bells and whistles, but that's roughly it. al Shakur, as far as anyone knows, has never used violence against a civilian, never used violence perhaps at all, but certainly never against a civilian. Um, And what she was convicted of was being part of a crime in which a policeman was killed. So it's stretching the definition of terrorism into domestic straight criminality. And when I hear that, I think about my earliest conversations after 9-11 with people at the Justice Department who were beginning to classify people overseas you know, who engaged from an argument point of view, which terrorism from their point of view, and getting special military trials, if you're labeled a terrorist, getting taken to, Guant- to Guantanamo, you're labeled a terrorist. And what they said to me, what Ashcroft's Department of Justice said to me at the time, he was Attorney General, was we don't just want to do this for overseas terrorists, uh, we want to do this for domestic terrorism. Uh, we want to be able to have special trials for domestic terrorists. We don't want to use regular justice system. These people don't deserve constitutional rights. So now you see them taking someone like Asada, who they, who I think is wrongfully convicted, was innocent of the crime she was convicted of, but what she was convicted of had nothing to do with terrorism. Uh, And so it's a terrible tendency. And you see that tendency coming out of uh, the Boston case where, uh, the Boston Marathon case, where there was all kinds of discussion of let's call this an act of terrorism, let's make them enemy combatants. And so it comes off the back of that. Uh, but to go back to Assad's case, so here we have Assad's uh, Just before uh, you do, of-
13: Michael, just before you do, it seems like what, what, what the American government is saying is that any act against a soldier, even, or a policeman, any, uh, even an armed member of the state, if it has a political character, then it's terrorism, even though it's not against civilians. It just has to have a political character to to it to to meet their definition.
12: I think you can read what they're saying as that kind of statement, Paul, and I think that's very astute, Um, because that's the only thing that makes any sense here. It doesn't even make sense, because their own definition and statute is against civilians. But that does fit with the way they've been looking at acts of war um, around the world uh, as terrorism. Uh, going after U.S. soldiers, etc., uh, really broadening the definition so that definition has, has very little meaning. Um, so I think that's, that's an incredibly worrisome tendency, because what follows from there is treating domestic criminality as terrorism, and then what's going to follow from there is giving people special trials as they're treating them as enemy combatants, the way they called for such treatment after uh, the Boston Marathon. Looking at other aspects of Assad's case are, of course, she also was given political asylum by the Cuban government. And once you've been given political asylum, the Cuban government has the absolute right to deny any request for Assad or extradition. Uh, but of course the U.S. is choosing to ignore that. A third important part of, of the case concerns what happened to Asada. The way she was convicted was complete political and legal outrage. She's, she's driving in a car along the New Jersey Turnpike um, with two or three, three other, I think, African-Americans. She's stopped on the New Jersey Turnpike, and a policeman is killed as a result. How that happened, we don't know, although there's no, there's no proof that she had a gun. Uh, in fact, it appears that she was not Appears as forensic evidence saying she was shot in the back, and yet she's convicted of this. Um, aiding and abetting a murder of a policeman. Now the first thing that strikes you is there's a thing we get in the United States that we call driving while black, which is to say that blacks are pulled over all the time for just being in a car. And the New Jersey turnpike in this period and still today is famous for state troopers and others pulling over cars of blacks. So that's what probably, in fact that's what almost surely happened here. Uh, the other thing we shouldn't forget here is Osada was a real political leader. There's a member of the Black Panther Party, um, major leader of that, important. Uh, and that you can look at starting to label people like Assad um, as terrorists is really going back on the attack of what was really an incredible period of the 60s and 70s uh, when African Americans uh, were very, very active on trying to change their circumstances in the United States. So her case has caused a tremendous outrage, um, really, within. United States and within the community, and the idea that um, that they're trying to get her at this point, and they not only well, why,
13: why is that? I mean, what's the what, what? Why on earth would they start doing billboards and do,
12: making noise about this right. now? I'm glad you asked that. I wanted to say they made, labeled her a terrorist, but they also doubled the reward for her from a million dollars to two million dollars. Uh, and I'm gonna I'll end with why I think. But what that also leads to is she's sitting in Cuba, six hundred thousand. Visitors from Miami go to Cuba every year. My old Cuban, you know, my old relations to Cubans. Um, and her safety is put in great jeopardy. I mean, she's wanted. It doesn't say dead or alive, but she's wanted as a fugitive from justice. Someone's going to go for the reward, $2 million, go seek her out. Maybe it'll be a gun battle. Maybe they'll kill her. Um, maybe they'll just try and kidnap her. Um, all kinds of things could happen to Assata, uh because of this being put on the terrorist list and this $2 million threat, uh, $2 million uh, bounty for her. So the question is why? And, you know, we're all struggling with that. Is the why to label a community uh, that has resurgence, you know, some some resurgence in terms of uh, militancy? Is to label it as terrorist? Is it to label black activists as terrorist? Conceivable. Is it really in part of the U.S.-Cuba politics uh, that Cuba is now you know, in a man in prison there is a guy named Alan Gross, who is someone who was alleged to a, a alleged to the Cubans convicted, I think, of bringing in certain kinds of spy equipment uh, to subvert the government. The U.S. wants him back. The Cubans are saying he's here. He was convicted. Uh, there's five or now four people in the United States who were convicted of uh, various crimes. The Cuban five, now the Cuban four, uh, convicted of you know uh, espionage and other crimes in the U.S. Is it part of that? Is it part of which happened right at what's happening right at this moment? You know, Cuba is a country that has been put on the terrorist list year after year. That has tremendous implications. There's only six or seven countries in the world uh, on the terrorist list. It, it cuts off all kinds of financial transactions. It embargoes the country. Um, it allows all kinds of special lawsuits. And every year it comes up, why is Cuba on a terror? Why is Cuba on the terrorist list? There's no terrorism coming out of Cuba, and so perhaps. Uh, in the statement that was issued by the State Department or, or by the FBI, actually, uh, that said we're putting um, we're putting we're, we're putting Assad on the most wanted terrorist list um, because she has made statements that you know threaten uh, U.S. people or threaten civilians. There's no evidence of that. Not one bit of evidence. Nothing ever happens like that. And of course, there's a, you can make statements uh, that's not against the law, but she's never said anything that we know of like that. Uh, at all. So it may be part of the politics of Cuba of saying, we, here's why we're putting them on the terrorist list, because they're housing terrorists. That gives them their, their their argument. But of course, if we're really talking about housing terrorists, you know, this country uh, houses plenty of terrorists uh, from Latin America, uh, Central America, other places in the world, Cuba as well. Um, so if there's a country that ought to be on the terrorist list, uh, apart from you know naming the people like Bush and others who bombed the heck out of various countries during their tenure and are droning people to death. Um, we have our own home, our own terrorists here who we have housed from around the world. But in the end, we don't really understand the politics of it other than, you know, maybe it's domestic politics in some way, but I think it's more related to Cuban politics um, and American politics. But the effects are dramatic because Assad now, a person who could at one time walk the streets of Cuba. Uh, with some freedom, um, I just don't think can emerge at all. Uh, and so it's scary. Uh, it's also a labeling of domestic criminality uh, that she was not guilty of, um, in my belief, uh, labeling it um, as terrorism. Uh, so I'm hopeful that we'll be able to overturn it. But it's a serious moment.
13: All right. Thanks for joining us, Michael.
12: Thanks for having me, Paul.
13: And thank you for joining us on The Real News Network.
5: And we really appreciate that. Uh that interview and commentary From Real News If you do not Subscribe to Real News You should You think you get the truth At MSNBC You get the real truth at Real News <laughs> And that's my And that's my commentary on it But but they're bringing up Some very important points For you to understand Why this is important to you The fact that George Zimmerman has been in hearings all day today to try to suppress certain evidence that will cream his ass in court during this trial tells you of the continuing disorganization of justice and dismantling of justice in the justice system that you pay for. And I, I, I asked and extended to you to listen to and understand about Asada's journey so that you can see. I mean, we can call them all Oscar Grant, Troy Davis, Marissa Alexander, Trayvon Martin. It goes on and on and on. It is ever, never ceasing in terms of the lack of real justice, authentic justice, that black people are extended in the courts in this country. The other is to the extent that black people, poor people, and brown people are manipulated as chess pieces in the political games played by the American government is important. We're going to take a break. Our number is 347-838-9852. I'd like to hear from you. Uh, When we come back, we're going to uh, take a listen to Angela Davis and Lennox Hines and Dream uh, Hampton about what they are thinking um, on this $2 million bounty. You know, one of the things that also strikes me, and I know I said I'm going to take a break, but uh, since I'm running the board, (laughs) I can do what I want to do. Now, one of the things that strikes me is to understand this in the, the context of who you are as a member what what is your citizenship about? what is it that comes with the Asada Shakur story? What are the lessons three four seven, eight three eight nine eight five two is our number. We'll be right back. We really will be right back. Uh, and I'm going to tell you about some things that we're going to be doing here at Our Common Ground. Um, we're still trying to put it put it all in place, but the times are serious. There's no time for fence-walking in this country.
11: wing extremists have now become mainstream and in many ways provides a litmus test for what some think are cultural and moral integrity in the country at this time. Uh, the whole country has drifted to the right. Uh, if you don't believe it, um, anybody who actually thinks or calls uh, uh, President Barack Obama uh, a liberal, it is insane. Barack Obama is a moderate, uh, a center-right, uh, right-wing Democrat.
7: Uh, when you look at it as a... The most powerful force on the earth. A
11: soul of fire. A soul of fire. fire,
1: fire. Spirit Matter. matter. Spirits Matter. This is Soul of Fire.
5: Truth works Network, Wednesday at 10 p.m.
1: Who champion this cause of something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. But I don't know what it is. And then he set her up by backing off. Well, if she will come and talk to me. Right. Yeah, she yeah, came yeah. and talked to you, not alone, she came and talked with the CIA guy.
8: Sure did.
1: And he basically backed up everything she said, but now they have larger concerns. Now they're crying and whining about the filibuster and the reform of the filibuster. Not only should they reform the filibuster, they should drop the nuclear option on the filibuster. And when you hear people like Mitch McConnell saying that if they do this, this will poison the well forever. Well, I'll take your threat, and I'll raise you to shove it in your behind. Right, raucous, and reason. Advanced, urban, progressive, political talk radio. The Alpha Show. Only at TruthWorks Network. Friday, 10
3: p.m.
5: common ground broadcasting bold brave and black you'd better know tonight in our Asada Teach-In. You are part of a nationwide network of broadcasts, um, uh, meetings, forums that are being held uh, called Asada Teach-In. I I really believe, I think we're the only broadcasters that... uh, uh, are part of it But if you go to org, You can find out If there is an asada teachin In your community um, I'm going to Try to tell you A little about uh, Where they are Scheduled They're, They've been scheduled All over the country uh, For For months now Um um, there was one in Atlanta on last Sunday, <clears throat> uh, last Monday in New Orleans, uh, Chicago, last Tuesday. Uh, I don't know why I'm telling you, but I, I'm giving you a good idea. Uh, on Wednesday, Brooklyn, New York, Chicago, Illinois, Gary, Indiana, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, New York, New York, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Phoenix, Arizona, on Thursday. Another one in Chicago. One in Syracuse, on New York, on Friday. Cincinnati, Ohio. New York City. Oakland, California. There were two in Oakland, California. Um, one group it was doing it at three o'clock, and then another group did it at six. And then today, we are joined by Los Angeles, Los Angeles Crenshaw. Minneapolis, South Min uh in in South Minneapolis, Chicago. Tomorrow there will be one in Burlington, Vermont, Chicago, Illinois, Miami, Florida, uh Minneapolis, Sacramento, and beyond the ninth in Chicago on June eleventh, New York City, June fifteenth and uh and sixteenth. And June 23rd, there will be a showing of Eyes on the Rainbow screening in the New Parkway Theater in Oakland, California. You are part of it all, and we appreciate your joining us. Our number is 347-838-9852. We're going to go to our phones. 646, you're on the air. Thank you, and I respect you.
11: Oh, I respect you, Dennis. I'm glad to hear you back on the air. I just really got one one question. I'd like to know, do we realize that it may come a point in time that the United States government may send a drone in to um, kill sister if um, the Cuban government doesn't cooperate and send her back to America?
5: Well, one of the things, as you heard from Jay, the other Jay, uh, is that uh, while in exile, um, she uh, is being very, very cautious right now, where she has had a great deal of freedom over the last 30 years. Now, drones, crones, crows. Jay, you know, I really, uh, I think that we can't speculate about how they are going to do it but um it is clear that they have no they they have no reservations about creating friction with um with the cuban government um it would be in their interest at this point um but CIA operatives have always operated in um, in Cuba. Uh during the Batista um regime and during the uh, Fidel Castro regime. You know, at some point and I want to I want I've been wanting to ask someone this and I'll ask you. I'm wondering if this has any connection to Guantanamo Bay. Uh you know because Guantanamo is located most people don't know Guantanamo is in Cuba
2: right
5: so I mean, there are a lot of things but to speculate whether i mean uh, <clears throat> I, I don't think that united, yeah i don't think that the united states government would have any poss- any problem with whatever strategy they decide You know, but let me ask you another question, Jay. To what extent do you think – there are two questions I have for you. To what extent do you think that black people will rise up over this, Uh, and in what way can they? And the other is I just have to comment on the FBI leadership that they have placed this brother – the FBI doesn't have a lot of senior leaders in their agency who are black, but they have taken this brother uh to take the lead on this. It it just it just, you know, I'm a old I'm a old school activist. Old school. And I do want to make a note. I don't want to, you know, I have to when I think of things, I have to as I tell my grandchildren, when I think of things, I have to say it, Ben, because I might forget. Today is the anniversary of the death of Geronimo Gija Pratt, and we want to um, make a note in memory of that liberation warrior as well. But let's get back to what do you think about those two things?
11: Um, honestly, it it would not surprise me. At all, whatever they do, um, does it have anything to really do with Guantanamo? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. And the reason why I don't think so is because of Guantanamo has been in the United States hands ever since Fidel took over, and they've basically been there as a part of, um, you know, that country. For that well, long period of time here's So the angle that I don't, I'm thinking I don't
5: about. see it Here's the angle I'm thinking about If the United States goes after Cuba On Asada Shakur And this is purely speculation And I you know and It really has if I were in a In a live training session with people I would say well we're going to have to Shelve that one because it really Is getting beside the point Of providing information But Uh I'm wondering if, there, if if the United States pushes Cuba on on Assad, whether or not Cuba will decide. Then you get the hell out of Guantanamo, and that'll solve some political problems.
4: No, I don't. I don't.
11: I, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that um, Cuba would do that because if that was the case, they would have done it years ago. Remember, had America's no
5: to do it. They've had no reason to do it. If they've had
11: reason to do it with the Bay of Pigs and all of the other co-op operations that go on, the embargo against Cuba and all of those things, of course. I, I, I just don't see how, with all of that happening, how it would then equate to um, if you don't give us this one African woman, we're now going to say, okay, you got to get out of here. Because you're doing some covert thing. I mean, the the way I the way I look at it, they would be more inclined to assassinate her, knowing the fact that our people wouldn't do anything about it. You know what I'm saying? Yep. You see, this, is, I what, so, this I is what. So
2: this is what me. I agree about you. that. I, I agree but, about no, but I, that. But, but, have... but, but I mean,
11: Dennis, <laughs> this is this is what's really disturbing me. About this whole Asada situation is that she's been in Cuba for over 30 years, like you say. She hasn't bothered or caused any trouble whatsoever to the American people or to the Cuban people. She wrote a book that basically, the time that she was, she wrote the book. Um, black consciousness movement was slowing down. So a lot of people that should have embraced the book didn't embrace the book. And she basically hasn't really been that big of an issue in the the, the black community. I mean, she's, to well, be truthful, yeah, I, she's a forgotten person other than people that deal in our circle. Outside of our circle, most people don't even deal with with a shot up, yeah. you, you know, what yeah. I mean and that and that's just true. That's just true You know what I'm saying? So the, re, the the reality is like when you ask the question What would we do if God forbid? Something happened to sis. We wouldn't do anything. We would have a little bit of a protest some some Negroes would be mad and um basically Business with would, business with would, would, would continue. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's unfortunate, but that that's reality, and I I think yeah. we we need to we need to face that.
5: Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hear you know? from um, Dream Hampton about what she thinks. Thank you, Jay, for your call. Do you want okay, me to unmute? Um, All right. Uhuru. Uh-huh. Well, I, I I think that Jay uh is 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 right on point. I think that uh people have not forgotten one of the reasons that we're doing this um teach in is because there are so many children. I mean, I I went through this with um uh, my own grandchildren um last night and none of them, either one of them, I mean, the 11-year-old he hadn't heard of it and the 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 twenty year old hadn't heard of it, and and that's sad. It's because we do not understand the role that um that history has in empowering us. His dream happened. In a I mean, it's with, it's um,
14: quite remarkable. It's quite. Acrobatic, in fact, that they would bend to, that they were able to bend the definition of terrorist to include Asafa Shakur. Acrobatic. Yeah, she, she, actually, the state of New Jersey had a million dollar bounty on her, and they began that almost six or seven years ago. And that um, itself we called illegal. We began a campaign called Hands Off Assada, And we called that illegal for the simple fact that the sovereign nation of Cuba granted Assada Shakur asylum many decades ago, two or three decades ago, um, so that it's illegal to then create a bounty. You know, it, it, it totally is, a, it defies international law. I mean there's real really no precedent for it. I mean I'm sure a lot of Haitians were upset when say baby Doc got asylum in France. But there was no mayor in Haiti who was able or governor as as Christine Whitman did with the first time with um, the New Jersey bounty who could put out, you know, some kind of bounty on, on the former president of Haiti's head to go get him an antique it's it's really unprecedented what do you well first of all what do you make of uh, of her writing uh, a sure letter to the Pope several years ago writing that uh, frankly she fled because uh, it was just it was unfair what took place in the country she was convicted she actually
6: escaped uh, and made her way to Cuba and so Um, What significance does this have, and uh, and what do you make of the case that she stated uh, as to why she
14: escaped and why she should not come back to the U.S. uh, to face prosecution again? Well, that's why so many of us support her, because we do believe that she is innocent. We do not believe that she killed... um of the police officer, Officer Faulkner, 40 years ago last night on the New, Jer- New Jersey Turnpike, when her partner Zaid Shakur was um, murdered. So we, first of all, we believe that she's innocent. Um, there is medical evidence that she was shot with her hands in the air. She told that story repeatedly. Um, there's medical. Examiner's cooperation. So, and there are many people who've looked at this case um, and believe that she's innocent. Her trial has has been examined in in law school classrooms because it was such a sham. These were heated times. These were the 70s. This is a time when many leftist organizations in this country were attempting revolution. Um, for lots of reasons, they failed, but mostly because of COINTELPRO and you know we consider these incredibly trumped up charges and she's one of a handful full. Okay,
2: quickly, can you just explain what her
14: relationship was to to Tupac for people who don't know? Yeah, people call her Tupac's aunt, but what she is is um a comrade and a friend to Afeni Shakur, his mother. So they all took the last name at the same time, oh. they all took the last name Shakur at the same time. Yes.
8: Okay.
1: I'm glad you cleared that up. Okay.
14: I mean she definitely was a figure in his life, um, yeah. a,
4: a guiding figure in his life. Tupac's stepfather, Matulu Shakur, is accused
14: with breaking her out of prison. Gotcha. So those were different times. I mean, can you imagine going into a prison today and, and going into the basement of a prison and getting your comrade out? Me <laughs> well, you know, so So the, you know, the times need context. First of all, we believe in her innocence. Secondly, and thirdly, this this bounty, you know, is in violation of international law. She's a political political asylum in the sovereign nation of Cuba.
12: All right, journalist, dream have to us so Appreciate. And
5: that is the core. This is the United States is going against international law in their effort to secure and extradite Assad Shakur from Cuba, and we've got we've got to really really understand that there is more to this than the than the killing of a New Jersey state trooper there are a number of issues and the question that you need to be asking of your news organizations or whatever media that you listen to or subscribe to why they are not talking about this we we're running out of time um the demon of the clock is upon us, as uh Plato Benjamin would say that he calls it the demon of the clock, and i want I do want to um talk to you a bit about what we're going to be doing this week. our common ground is coming on the air on Tuesday night at 10 p.m., and on Thursday night at 10 p.m. One of the most horrific injustices in this country is unfolding before us, and that is the trial of George Zimmerman for the murder of Trayvon Martin. At some point, we have got to draw a line in the sand. We hope that you will, will join us. We hope that you will join um, commentaries on the Times Radio with Dr. Basil Wilson and Playfell Benjamin as they come on talking about contemporary issues of our time, of culture, history, and uh, international events on Monday night at 10 p.m., and on Wednesday night, Soul of Fire, Dr. Johnson is on hiatus, and he is. we are going to do a rebroadcast of Part 2 of his series on America Descending into Insanity. And you don't want to miss that, 10 p.m. on Wednesday night. And I am sure that on Friday night, although I won't speak for him, that Alpha will be covering the Trayvon Martin case as well, trial as well. And we got to stop calling the Trayvon Martin trial, because Trayvon is not on 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 trial. His defense attorneys have forgotten that it is George Zimmerman who is on trial. And if you want to continue your education and understanding and join um, uh, um of um issues having to do with asada shakur uh we would refer you to asada where you can find all of the resources all of all of the um articles all of the Uh, video that we, uh, audio that we have shared with you tonight. We thank you so very much for being with us and hope that you will join us on Tuesday night here at our Common Ground, another special. In regard to my hiatus, I am still trying to do something that I need to do in regard to chronicling my own witness I was born in 1950. I've seen a lot. I've been trained in thinking, and my worldview has been influenced by so many prolific African Americans and Africans. My travels have informed my worldview in a way that has been unique, and it is very important that I chronicle those not only for my grandchildren, but for my people. We didn't get a chance to uh, listen to Angela Davis and Lennox Hines, but you can go to Democracy Now! and hear their interview, that we were sharing a a portion of it with you about the FBI's terrorist list. And um, we hope that you will join the campaign hands off Asada It is If you know her journey You can learn from it You can be inspired By it And you can understand Your own struggle I'm Janice Graham Thank you so much for being with us tonight
0: I have a duty To all those have, who have come to me. Before me to all those who lie at the bottom of the ocean, to all those who lost their lives, whether it's in cave fields or cotton fields or you know hanging off some tree, to continue this struggle and to continue to love and to continue to believe and to continue to try to be.
5: That her name is Asada, she who struggles. Alugbala, for the people. Shakur, the thankful one. Asada Shakur, a 20th century escaped slave, the result of government repression and persecution of activists out of the black liberation struggle. She is not a criminal, but power and injustice has criminalized her. Nor has she ever been one. She is a liberation strugglest, black and glowing liberation warrior. She is an ex-political prisoner, a slave who escaped. She had no other choice, fleeing from
14: political repression, racism, and violence. They dominate the U.S. government policy toward people of color. She is our warrior sister, and they have vowed to destroy such a thing, our leaders and our activists.
5: To forge ahead on this agenda, they have now placed her on the FBI's most wanted list as a terrorist. And we know that she is not and has never been. She is a revolutionary, but this is the message. They want her back to ensure that the war against injustice and white supremacy is put down. So we must proclaim and we must claim her struggle, her journey, and her dedication and commitment. We proclaim Hands Off Asada. I'm Janice Graham, and this is Our Common Ground. Thank you for joining us tonight. Write campaign. Join the Hands Off Asada campaign to free Asada persecution. Good night, and thank you for joining us on Our Common Ground. Check our program listings for further specials while I am on hiatus. And don't forget, or check out, Truthworks Network. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the Truth Warriors are at the mic.
6: It is only they who see the dreadful colors of suffering. It is only they who